You're very welcome back to the Westwick Enterprising Podcast today. And today's episode is going to focus on areas around investment and female entrepreneurship particularly. So I'm your host today, Alton Faherty, uh, and I'm delighted to be joined by Mary McKenna. Uh, I'm sure I won't do you justice, Mary, but just to give people a bit of background on you, you uh, are aware of many hats. You're uh, an entrepreneur, a tech entrepreneur, you're an innovation expert, you're an angel investor, you're a tourism promoter for Inishon, uh, you're a blogger, and many, many more things besides. Um, and you spend uh, an awful lot of your time helping to start and scale Indigenous, Irish and uh, UK tech companies in the recent past as well. Um, but you have a special focus on first time and female entrepreneurs, Mary. Uh, and we'll also get you to talk later on about uh, Awaken Hub. Uh, you're a co-founder in that uh, community which promotes and supports women entrepreneurs and uh, you're trying to foster a vibrant startup culture across the island of Ireland with that. So I hope I've done you just, justice there, Mary. I, I'm sure there's much, much more I could add to it. But maybe if we get into the questions and you can you can tell us a little bit more about yourself. Um, and just looking back at your uh, wide and varied experience, Mary, can you tell us a little bit about that journey that I've just alluded to, if your your entrepreneurship journey, did you always have ambitions in that regard? Uh, and then moving through that, how did you get involved in investment? Okay, well, uh, thanks, Alton, and it's uh, it's great to be here with you today, and thank you for the opportunity of joining you. So I suppose, like most entrepreneurs, my journey is not uh, a straightforward, linear one that goes from A to B. There's always a bit of a squiggly route, I think, to the way that entrepreneurs end up where, where they are. So, um, no, I didn't have any ambitions at all to be an entrepreneur. You know how they say that some entrepreneurs are born and some are made. Um, I had a very traditional career. I was brought up as part of a little Irish diaspora bubble in uh, South Yorkshire. There's just my sister and I. And uh, we didn't, to be honest, you know, we didn't even know any entrepreneurs. All of our uncles and aunties that we were with were all just ordinary working class people that had moved from Ireland looking for, a, looking for, I suppose, a better life and a better career and everything. But they were all people that worked. They worked in construction. The women were teachers and nurses, I suppose. And there weren't any entrepreneur examples at all. My background is I'm a qualified accountant. And, you know, I don't suppose you ever see that many people that are accountants that go on to be uh, to be tech entrepreneurs. So that's just giving a little bit of a glimmer of hope there to anybody that's sitting at the desk counting those, uh, count, totting up those spreadsheets today and thinks that maybe that one day they'd like to do something different. Um, and I suppose the turning point for me came uh, when I was headhunted into one of the high-tech um, spin-outs from Queen's University Belfast about 20 years ago. So I joined what is um, was at the time one of Northern Ireland's semiconductor IP companies. So it was a company that had spun out of Queen's. All the people on the team were people with brains as big as planets, PhDs, everything like that. And I joined as their CFO at the point where they'd just raised a, a first round of VC funding. And 
the company was based, the engineering team was in Belfast, but sales and marketing were in Silicon Valley. And um, I went out to Silicon Valley, it was a small startup company that was VC-backed, and got really bitten by the sales bug, I would say. Went out as part of the negotiating team, and somewhere along the way, realized that actually I was better at selling than I was at the spreadsheets. And so that was the that was kind of the turning point for me. After that, we sold that business to a, a multinational West Coast global company, and uh, I started my own business after that. So I didn't actually get started as an entrepreneur until I was 43. Again, I want to give a little glimmer of hope to anybody that's sitting there and thinking that they're too old to get started and they've missed the boat. You absolutely haven't, and there's a lot of uh, research to back up that the longer you leave it and if you've got a rich career behind you, the more successful an entrepreneur you will actually be if you start a bit older. So that's my route, and then I guess the last part of, of the jigsaw is about seven or eight years ago, I sold my own startup that I'd co-founded, uh, which was Learning Pool in Derry, and I decided that I would spend probably the next few years um, working with some really early stage startups and particularly as you've mentioned Alton you know the first timers and the and the women who do need those two groups need a lot more help than than the others that have been before and angel investment seemed to be a natural progression for me from mentoring some of the team members and the founders and um, it's something that I get a great deal of pleasure from I really like meeting the founders and working with them and helping them and seeing the massive difference that having an experienced person on board when you're starting a business, how that adds to you just not making a lot of mistakes that I made when, when I didn't know any better. No, So, I mean, particularly around, and you'll see this all the time in your work, particularly around raising investment and that type of stuff that is really tricky to try and learn from a textbook. Um so yeah, that's that's so that's where I've ended up where I am. Great, very good. Uh, we'll come back to some of those points, Mary, and 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 the rest of the conversation. My next question is sort of leading into getting into a week and hope in a, in a moment and and what you're doing there, and again taking that sort of investment and the hand holding and the support and the advice and the sharing of experience, um, but. Just uh, coming back a moment, as a, a female entrepreneur, uh, I just want to touch on this for a moment. Um, some estimates currently would suggest that uh, females are, are the largest underrepresented groups when it comes to entrepreneurship uh, in Ireland. Uh, approximately 15 to 18% only of established entrepreneurs in Ireland are women. So having taken that path yourself, uh, do you feel that there are more barriers there um, for females starting their own business in comparison to their male counterparts? Or you know, did you experience that? Was it just a question of gathering the experience and the knowledge and then being more comfortable later on? Um, and if there are particular obstacles um, that you see today, did you experience them yourself? And how did you overcome those? So you see... I, my own experience maybe isn't that appropriate because I worked as the director of finance in a CFO and to be honest that's very much a man's world as well you know these 
actually, if ever you went to a finance conference as a CFO, as a woman, um, and you sat down in the auditorium, the men would always just make sure that they left plenty of seats between them and you. So that was all, you'd always have a little circle of empty seats around you because nobody wanted to sit anywhere near the couple of women that were in the room because obviously they didn't feel comfortable with it, you know. So, um, but you're right in terms of the in terms of the metrics there, Alter. And I think for every one female entrepreneur that there is in Ireland, there are four men, and that's a, that's an improvement probably on where things used to be. But it is a little bit disheartening because you can see how it's going to take decades for any parity to be reached. And that can be a little bit discouraging, I think. I mean, we all know what many of the reasons are around why women don't start businesses. Um, I think perhaps COVID has had a positive impact in changing people's views and in giving people, many people, I think, have used that couple of years that we've had the pandemic as a as a way of perhaps taking stock of their careers and looking at what their work-life balance is and We've seen a lot of women coming to us who have perhaps been in that corporate, you know, climbing the greasy pole, commuting into the office every day. But maybe they've also had a bit of an idea in their head all along and they've just not had any opportunity to, for it to get any oxygen and get out. And we've seen a lot of those women coming to us. I think women are naturally more risk averse than men because often it's left to women you know to make sure that the family's provided for the mortgage is paid and all those you know the bills are paid and everything like that it's just traditional values that are quite strong here in Ireland and those sorts of cultural legacy issues are difficult to overcome. Mary you mentioned that things seem to be okay uh, one in four entrepreneurs uh, are, are female now do you sense that that's moving and changing? Uh, you, you, you know, you've said it's a slight improvement. There's a long way to go. But do you get a sense of momentum behind that now at the moment? You know, is, is that something that you're hopeful for in the future in terms of growth and, and pace of change? Well, I would say so. And I mean, I think obviously it's just an anecdotal way of communicating this. But if you look at Awaken Hub, we started two years ago. We haven't really marketed other than put a few bits out on Twitter and on our LinkedIn's. I'll turn you know because we haven't had any budget to do that. But just through word of mouth, I mean, over the past two years, about 2,000 women have joined our mailing lists. And the way that that breaks down is 60% in the Republic of Ireland, 35% in Northern Ireland and 5% from the rest of the world, mostly the US. Um, and that indicates to us that we have tapped into something that is new, that is happening with women. Um, and by our reckoning, we would say that about half of those women have started a business in the last 12 months or two years. And the other half haven't started anything yet, but they're thinking about it. And this is the bit that I find interesting. So they're thinking about it. They're not doing perhaps what men might tend to do, which is have an idea and jump straight in. Women are more risk averse. They like to have all their ducks in a row or they like to have a tribe assembled. They like to know that there's places that they can go to get their questions answered. So I think a lot of the Awaken Hub community are in that phase 
where they've got an idea, but they're now trying to de-risk it, and they're doing that by putting certain supports of their own in place. So that connectivity part and that networking part is obviously very important as part of Awaken Hope Mary. And by getting that connectivity and networking right and building the tribe, as you say, uh, that then helps um, female entrepreneurs to access the other supports and access the other opportunities then or all of the or access more of the uh, supports and the opportunities that exist. Can you just give us a little flavor of what Awaken Hub? does um typically i know there's a few different strands to it but can you just give us a quick summary of of what you do as part of awaken hub yeah so we started off by running monthly events that were open to any women at all um we've been doing those for two years we've had an event pretty much 12 events a year i think and a couple of extras here and there they're well attended um and then after a few months of that, some of the women started to say to us that they would really like to have a way of connecting with the other people that they met because we cottoned on fairly early that the breakout rooms that we run were a sort of secret source of what was happening because people in the breakout rooms were having a chance to chat to people that they didn't know or they would introduce themselves and they would quite often find opportunities with each other or you know you quite often hear that people that met in the breakout rooms have gone on, on to do some other something else collaboratively together so we um we set up a slack group and we invited people to participate um, there's a small charge for doing so it's about 140 euros a year um and we populated that with well we've called them big sisters people like me that are a bit further ahead or people that are um able to advise them or give them some help i mean there's there's a good reason i think why perhaps a, a startup ceo will spend 80 percent of their time i would think networking networking is the is the path to accessing the things that you need it's the path to particularly accessing finance and investment it's very difficult to do to raise investment if you don't have a network and you don't know anybody and it's very difficult to recruit people as a startup unless you've got a wide network yourself and have access to a network. So I would sort of see networking as being pretty key to building a business. And I suppose that's what we facilitate. And it's working well so far. No, that's great. And uh, and I must say, I've joined a few of those sessions and, and I know the power of the breakout rooms. So uh, you're not uh, just a women's only club either, which is important to, to point out, Mary, but uh, I've seen it in action and it's it's a it's a great thing and there's great life about it. And as you say, those breakout rooms are, are can be very, very powerful. Um, you've got a few particular initiatives underway as part of Awaken Hub at, at the moment. Um, uh, or, or some things that you're, you're pushing she generate for example uh, can you tell us a little bit about that and maybe some of the current stuff that you're looking at at the minute as, as part of awaken hub yes so we ran a cohort of she generate last year so again it just sort of emerged from the work that we were doing that it became apparent that a lot of those very early stage women wanted to learn actually wanted to learn about starting a business and between the co-founders, we had the expertise and the resources, so we we put together an online um, virtual accelerator, called it an accelerator light, because 
the teaching part of it is actually one small element. It's a half day once a month. Um, the other resources are there to be accessed at any time in a more flexible way. And we ran for the first cohort. We we brought 56, 56 women um, participated, and that was from 23 counties across the island, five of the six in the north and 18 of the 26 in the south. So um, a good coverage. It isn't, you know, it isn't as if everybody came from Belfast or Dublin or Cork. A lot of the women that joined us were from parts of rural Ireland where they really benefited from being plugged into a network across the island. And that programme has, so out of the 56, 51 graduated in June. We lost five people um, that dropped out because of either the commitment to starting a business, business was a lot more than they'd realised, or other reasons, maybe the timing wasn't right or whatever. And we don't really see them, we don't see that as a failure. We see it as We've helped people save an awful lot of time and energy and maybe money by having that chance to dabble a little bit and see whether they liked it or not before deciding it wasn't right for them. But 51 have come through. and Of them, we think that probably maybe six or eight are investable this year, um, which is, I think, a really good outcome. And many of them were women that weren't accessing any other types of government supports. So really, like, fresh blood, new entrepreneurs coming onto the Irish ecosystem, which is good as well. So we're running another cohort. It will start in October. Uh, there's an open call out at the moment for people to apply. Um, there's an application form on the Awaken Hub website. It's a very straightforward process. Then there'll be interviews and we'll select. We think it's going to be a smaller cohort this time, probably 20 to 25 women. And we'll, um, closing date is 9th of uh, September, if anybody's interested that's listening in. Great. We'll promote that and promote the dates, and we'll share that with people as well on the Westwick website and, and so on, and we'll share the you. details. You alluded to there, well, you've alluded to it as part of the conversation. I asked you about the journey through entrepreneurship and particularly female entrepreneurs. What's your view around and what's your experience around female investors, Mary? You've alluded to it, but how do you see the the female investment landscape at the moment? Well, I'm not sure of what the exact numbers are in Ireland, Alton, and you maybe do perhaps have a closer you know, a closer grip on this than I would have. But from a perspective of somebody who invests, I don't see that many other women. It's particularly there's particularly low representation, I would say, in Northern Ireland. There are very, very few um, women angels at all. And then I think that there perhaps are quite um, quite a number or a good percentage of the HBAN network in the south is female but again I don't see many of them coming to the table when when I'm making an investment often I'm the only woman that invests um, and that's a little bit disheartening um, so that's one of the things that we would really like to try and improve we'd like to try and improve it to make things better for the female founders so that they have more diverse shareholder base uh, but also because we think women are missing out on an opportunity to invest themselves. You know, everybody knows that the uh, you can't earn any money in the bank with your interest. 
it seems crazy to spend all your life just waiting for your pension. It seems like a bad thing to do. And, you know, by investing in early stage companies, it's a very positive way that you can get involved, help another woman or a female team out. If you're from a corporate background yourself, you'll have skills that you can bring to them and ways in which you can help them. And who knows, you might make some money along the way. Yeah, uh, I think it's a space uh, that's improving, a long way to go, absolutely. And you mentioned H-Band there, uh, to any females that are listening in that might want to get involved in investing. I know Wake and Hope would be a first port of call in the chat with yourself and, and your co-founders, Mary, because I know you're working hard in that area. Um, and H-Band then has a few different syndicates, I, I suppose, and it depends on to a certain extent, your background and what area you're interested in as well. So you might find, no matter, be, be it a female or male, you might find more kindred spirits then in terms of what areas you're interested in. But definitely a long way to go, yes. But I, I think it's improving, but uh, it'll take a, a little bit longer to get there. And generally speaking, well, you alluded to it, Mary, the benefit of bringing... Uh, experience and expertise and knowledge and helping people maybe to avoid some of the pitfalls that you and other investors have gone through yourself there are some of the benefits uh, of, of angel investors generally speaking what's your view of the next 12 to 24 months generally uh, you know the economic landscape uh, in terms of business startups uh, and investment how, how do you see that playing out at the moment yeah, well, it's, it's certainly something that is in the spotlight, and I'm sure that you are watching it closely as well. Uh, I think we are, nobody, everybody believes that we're heading for, uh, or we're maybe already in another recession, and, uh, you know, the first thing that I suppose dries up is the is the early stage angel money, because people, uh, people start to think about holding some funds back so that they can do their follow-on rounds. Um, and to be honest, you know, in a in an environment where inflation is running at the rate that it seems to be, and you know, certainly in the UK anyway, Alton, you know, interest rates have started to rise. People are talking about interest rates potentially hitting eight percent again. And if that is the case, then people will really weigh up whether or not it's worth taking the risk of putting that money into an early stage business. So I would be advising people that are raising to be sure that they're raising enough to look very carefully at what their cash burn is and to really think about how they're going to fund their business for the next 24, maybe even 36 months. Um, I think we could be in for a bit of a rough ride. I'd be interested in your own thoughts on that. Yeah, uh, I suppose what we're seeing, uh, what we're seeing at the minute is uh, a lot of the, a lot of the lead has been taken from VCs at the moment, uh, and VCs are getting particularly picky uh, in terms of what they're investing in. If you, if you look at the stats for investment by by VCs, and you compare twenty twenty one to previous years, I mean the amount of investment was huge, but that is really going to retract and is retracting. Uh, and uh, by the time we look at the final figures for 2022, I'm sure it'll be very much less than 21. Um, but there's still and money. That creates out. a big problem for the it, it, well, if the early stage money disappears. 
because the the VCs are taking the lead and the private investors are looking at what the VCs are doing because the VCs are experienced and more experienced in this space and maybe have more resources to dedicate to reviewing companies and so on. And when they see them holding back, uh, investors uh, are likely to hold back as well. But I suppose the important thing to say is that for good companies and for good promoters and good entrepreneurs, there is money there. Um, and uh, it's the work that you do now in terms of validating your technology, if it's a tech company, validating your market, uh, getting some early traction, um, uh, you know, having maybe a strong IP position, a strong competitive position. Uh, the more you can do work on that, uh, I think the greater the chance that you have of, of convincing investors to um, uh, to to participate in, in, in the journey with you. And I know it's something, Mary, you would have said a few times to me in conversation, you know, uh, you're talking to somebody who's looking for investment, you know, one of the first questions you'll ask is, well, show me 10 or 12 people who want the product, who, who, who said they'll buy this off you and who will give you an order or, or whatever. So that, that customer interaction at an early stage is very important, isn't it? Customer discovery is one of the really key parts i think to growing a business and it's something it's one of the things that founders for whatever reason often are very reluctant to do this thoroughly um customer discovery you know that i heard a saying once that said that uh goes something like every conversation you have with a paying customer is too short but it's something that founders don't seem to be keen to do um and it's a real mistake because you are going with what you think rather than what people will pay for. Um, mm-hmm. And in a when money gets tighter and valuations get tougher and everything like this, then people are looking to invest in something that definitely is more of a painkiller than a vitamin pill. Mm-hmm. You know, the nice to haves and whatever will all go out of the window. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, People need to be really, really sharpening up their offer. Yeah. Uh, as one of our other investors regularly says, that there's no money like customer money, Mary. So um, that's, the, that's, that's the key piece. Before I, I start to round things up, just on, on what we're talking about uh, at the moment uh, and, and what's gone before, do uh, female entrepreneurs engage differently with potential investors compared to their male counterparts Uh, so we spoke earlier about network and connection and tribes and things like that and you know there's some obviously common characteristics but females and males engaging with investors do they do it differently in your opinion and uh, are there any general tips that you would give people again one or two specific gems maybe information that you'd give people in terms of engaging with investors i think it's tough to get behind this and to have uh to really have any firm position on this at all i mean i don't really think so i think the way that men and women engage with investors is the same i just think that less women do it and I think that they're far more reluctant to um, to actually approach an investor and, and have the conversation. Um, 
actually women in business northern ireland did a survey last year where they surveyed over 100 women founders and the women were far more likely to go and take a startup loan than they were to take equity and so I think there may be some differences there in attitudes to risk and in attitudes to perhaps relinquishing some ownership in your business or just what you think is the normal thing to do. There could be some differences there. But I think certainly once businesses get to get to HBAN or get to CU, then I don't think there's many differences at that point people know what they need to do they know that they need to have a business plan they know that they need to be prepared for their due diligence and that they know that they need to fight for their for their valuation and the women that i see that are in those negotiations are just as able to negotiate as the as the men that i see so i don't know if there is a big difference what do you think uh no uh, i i think that those people that come forward, male or female, um, you know, who who have done the work uh, on the project and done, as you mentioned, the customer discovery piece and have done the hard yards and have put the shoulders of the wheel and maybe bootstrapped things a, a lot of the way um, are the ones who succeed. And it, it doesn't matter where the and I think another thing, Mary, that that comes into it as well is you you mentioned um, you you mentioned uh, the very first question we asked you about your entrepreneurship journey and you talked about your accounting experience as well. I think another key part is where people understand their deficiencies, the gaps, and know that they have work to do on that, and they're not afraid to go and do it. Uh, you know the, the customer discovery piece. Uh, you know where people don't do that is often because they're maybe strong, very strong on, on technology, or they're very strong on a certain part of it. And and this engagement with people, you know, on a particular part of the business outside of their comfort zone, they hope it will go away, or or they'll try and and promote the the positives and 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 shy away from those parts of the business that that they're not certain about. But I think. Um, focusing on your weaknesses, understanding that you have work to do in them, and being open to suggestions uh, and advice uh, from people uh, as to how and go to go and sort that out is is a key part of the journey. Yeah, coming forward with a if you don't have a fully rounded team, at least understanding what the gaps are and where you need to plug people in and how you can bring in contractors or advisors or something in the short term is better than just having nothing at all, isn't it? So coming forward with solutions, not problems, is always a good idea. Always a good idea. Mary, let's start to, to, to round this up, and maybe the last question I have for you is, uh, is there anything that's really exciting you now at the minute, or anything that you're really looking forward to, or anything that you're saying, God, I, I really want to see how this works out? What's exciting you at the minute? Uh, I'm really excited about launching the Awaken Angels Syndicate. We've had, we put a little, we stood up a, a website that people can register their interest on. So I, I also see this as a great way of, of getting founders to start investing as well. So if we can make it more affordable for founders to start investing earlier instead of waiting for an exit. Uh, I'm excited about that. Um, We've had a surprising amount of interest, actually. Um, we've had something like 350 registrations already. Um, 
Yeah, so if we can turn that into genuine investors, we'll be very happy and we think that that will go some way to transforming the landscape in Ireland anyway for female founders and investors. So that's something to look forward to and we're excited about that. Well, the very best of luck with that, Mary, and uh, I'll be keen to see how that progresses. Last thing, Mary, um, if people want to get in contact with you uh, to to touch base with you about investment, enterprise, Awaken Hub, uh, where do they get you? How do they get you? Well, Alton, as you probably are aware, I'm pretty much on Twitter sort of 24 hours a day, and uh, <laughs> people can always find me there. Uh, been having some lively banter on there with a couple of other founders today already, which has been good fun. Um, and I suppose the other place people can easily find me is on LinkedIn. But if you are reaching out to me on LinkedIn, please don't send me one of those blank invitations. Send me a note saying what it is you're looking for and what you think I can do for you. And I'll come back to you then. Great. Mary, as ever, a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, really engaging and uh, informative. And I hope to chat to you again soon. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Alton. Thank you. Thank you all so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to be notified about future podcasts. Please feel free to get in touch with us on social media and let us know if you found this episode beneficial. You can find us at Westwick on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram. If you would like to hear more about our available supports, please get in touch via our website www.westwick.ie and of course, stay tuned for our next podcast episode.